0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. As always men, I want to thank you for taking the time today and checking out today's show. If this is your first time coming across the Pursuit of Manliness, I want to say welcome. Man, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful that uh, for some reason, somehow, some way you've stumbled across this podcast. If you would, make sure to click subscribe. That way you're notified of any new podcast content whether you're watching this on youtube or listening to this on spotify itunes wherever you grab your podcast audio content and when you get time go to thepursuitofmanliness.com there you can find out about tribe you can find out about point man uh, what's available in our gear store all those things lots of opportunities to connect with what the pursuit of manliness is about And and i'll get right to it what we're really about we're about jesus that's it Uh, We're about Jesus. Uh, We're about becoming better equipped men of God. We are about becoming better husbands, better fathers, better men at church, better men in the workplace. Uh, But the only way we do that is by getting around Jesus. We don't do it by behavior modification. We don't do it by trying to act Christian or anything like that. Um, I'd venture to say a large number of the Pursuit of Maliness podcast audience uh, are surrendered, converted followers of Jesus you you know who you used to be, you know what Jesus has saved you from, you're learning what Jesus has saved you for, you are a disciple of Jesus who is making disciples of Jesus. And then I think there's probably a group of people, because this is very natural, who have tried to take on some Christian ideas. They've tried to take on some Christian beliefs or characteristics and said, you know, if Maybe I listen to Christian music, I act Christian, I talk Christian, I do some Christian stuff, maybe go to church, whatever, then I'm a Christian. But deep in your heart, you know that you've never really fully surrendered to Jesus. If you don't surrender to Jesus, then you know in your heart you're you're really a fraud and a phony, right? Like, you know that you haven't really done that, but you're trying to look at, you're trying to sound it and you think, you know what, if I just modify these behaviors, if I just stop trying to do the big ones, um, then, then maybe that's what it is. No, it's about surrendering to Jesus. If I go to an Italian restaurant every weekend and eat there, that doesn't make me Italian. Probably make me overweight, right? Or if I go to a golf course every Saturday and play around a round of golf, that really doesn't make me a golfer. That makes me a guy who's wasting a lot of money and losing a lot of balls in the water, all right? So, the same way, you can be around Jesus or you can be in Jesus. You can be in Christ or around Christ. Judas was around Christ. That didn't work out real well for him. Uh, Peter, the other guys, in Christ. They said, hey, this, there is no other way except for Jesus. Well, how did they decide that they were just selling out everything that they were and said, you know what, that's it. I'm giving up everything I am, literally everything that I am, for Jesus. It's a resurrection. The resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. So when, when, when Jesus was put on the cross, the religious leaders... Pharisees, Sadducees, the high priest, all of them, large, regular, large groups of regular people like myself, they were thrilled to finally rid themselves of this, this problem this problem of Jesus who was taking away their influence, who was stirring up the people. They were trying to keep the temperature down. They didn't want the Romans to get real upset and say, all right, we're shutting this thing down. Uh, the religious guys loved the fact that they had influence, loved the flat, the fact that they had these perfect seats and these all these things. It's, Jesus ruined all that for them because Jesus wasn't about that. He was about, let me tell you how to get to heaven. Let me tell you about life here on earth. And let me tell you about life um, after you leave this fleshly tent. Well, then Jesus, they put him on a cross and he dies. 1 well, John chapter uh, 19, uh, verse 30. I just want to read verse 30. I'd re- encourage you to read 28, 29, 30 if you want to check it out. Verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, because he was he was saying he was thirsty, they put a, this little branch up to him to give him a drink. He said, it is finished. What is finished? The perfect sacrifice for our sins. The only one who could pass under the flaming sword, if you will, that God had used to keep humanity away from him once he booted us out of the garden. He says, it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And again, if you're in a position of religious authority and you love your seat, you love your influence, you love being in the temple and everyone just admire you, how wonderful you must be, then you were thrilled to rid yourself of Jesus. They had no idea what they had got themselves into. Because the followers of Jesus were just, they were on fire. I mean, they were like, oh, really? Well, what made them get on fire? Because when Jesus is on the cross, they're gone. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection that changes everything. And then Jesus begins to appear to his disciples, begins to appear to all these different people in in some different ways. And and I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm going to reference them to you. And, and, And listen, if you're surrendered to Jesus, you know, yeah, I believe that. I am the direct recipient of those early believers seeing a risen Savior and saying, oh, if he's alive, then it doesn't matter about all these other things. All this other stuff doesn't matter because we need to get people to Jesus. But if you're a skeptic, you're like, yeah, I don't know how you can believe that stuff. I don't know how you but you put your hope in some other thing, some other thing that, you know, I just think it all works out in the end. Baloney. I just hope he's in a better place. Tell me how you get there. Tell me how you get to that better place. Do I have to be related to you? So all your relatives get there. Is it just that someone likes you? There's no foundation of truth. So we just go by feelings. I just hope they're in a better place. Everyone just ends up in a better place. What's the point of the better place? Why is there a better place? if this is the place and there's a better place then why how we how do we get there sooner why, why are we waiting this whole time here on earth just to be in like a hallway waiting to get call our number called so we can go to the better place there has to be a greater purpose and we have to understand okay how did i get here how did i get here what am i supposed to do while i'm here and i get in the ground we're all gonna die what happens after i die i just apparently to a lot of people you just magically end up in a better place we have no concrete evidence of this. We have no nothing to go on except I just believe it. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you some things that we know um, that, that, that history has shown us. And this is, the, this is the, the, the resurrection proofs of Jesus. Let's just unpack this. We have the post-resurrection of, of Mary Magdalene. So the, the day we have these, these women going to the tomb, they're going to look for Jesus. If you're going to write a story about, hey, listen, our guy, he's gone. But let's, let's, let's come up with a story. You wouldn't have started with the women. The women in that culture uh, were so much lower than the men. that the credibility of a woman's testimony was not not so you would have started with some guys well where do the gospel writers tell us the guys are at they're playing hide and go seek they're hiding out they're terrified why well if they just got rid of our leader what on earth are they going to do to us so these women go to the tomb and they're going to anoint him with some spices and and um they're going to um They're going to treat Jesus' post-death body well. They're going to prepare him, leave him there. That's it. They're going there. They're weeping. And what do they find? Not not Jesus, okay? So we got Mark 16. We have John 20. This is Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. We have uh, Jesus appearing to other women. We have uh, Matthew 28, 9 through 10. Um, Again, you wouldn't have started with the women. That is not who you would have used because they did not have the credibility that men have. So try to think in your world who has credibility and who doesn't. And that person who doesn't, imagine God using that person to be the one that came to you and delivered you news that changed the universe. Would you have chosen them? I wouldn't have. You have Jesus appearing, uh, or forgive me, you have the report of the soldiers to the Jewish authorities. This is pretty fascinating in Matthew chapter 28. What's the report? Someone stole his body. How'd they steal it? They must have moved that giant stone. That's the story we're going to roll with. We can't explain it. We don't know where the bones were. Do you think... If they could have produced bones or body or anything of Jesus, they would have done it? Yeah. Look at to what extent they went to to kill him. They put everything they were on the line to get rid of him. Do you think they would have come up with something to say, see, this is his. See, it never happened. Why did it not happen? And if you just dismiss it as, well, they were just on to other things. No, no, no. Read, Read the book of Acts. They have a much greater headache on their hands once the Holy Spirit shows up. Once the Holy Spirit shows up, they're like, we can't get these people to shut up. Even when we start killing some of them, even when we persecute them, they're out in the center of the the town celebrating that they were worthy to be persecuted. This is backfiring. This, this is not going at all the way that we thought it would go. We have the appearance of the, of the couple disciples on the way to the, the road uh, Emmaus, and that's in Mark chapter 16 and Luke chapter 24. Uh, we have um, let me turn a page here to another one. We have the appearance of the ten who are all together to the disciples. where you see it in Mark sixteen, Luke twenty four, John chapter twenty. This is Jesus starting to appear to the disciples. The, the gospels keep having him show up. We have the appearance of the eleven assembled all together. What happened to the twelfth one? Uh, he killed himself. He killed himself. He realized he had made a a, a tragic mistake. Would Jesus have forgiven him for his betrayal? Absolutely. Absolutely, we have Jesus appearing to the disciples while they're fishing in John chapter 21. This is where Peter, he said, I'm going back to work. I'm going back to work, this didn't take. Jesus said, I I don't think so. Come on. And when he sees Jesus, he gets in the water and starts making his way to him. Uh, we have the appearance of Jesus to the eleven in Galilee, the appearance of to uh, James, Jesus' brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know I'm smoking through this. Just want to give you uh, some of these. You have the appearance of, of to the disciples in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, 3 through 8. This is in Acts chapter 1 3. This is where it talks about that he had been giving many convincing proofs. Who wrote that? Luke, to a man named Theophilus. Luke wrote Luke, and then Luke wrote Acts, and says, listen, I'm telling you, I'm giving you what has happened since Jesus has died, since he's went back to heaven, and let me tell you, this thing is just getting started. We thought it was over. Uh, we have Christ parting, blessing, and departure in Mark 16, Luke 24, Acts 1, 9 through 12. Jesus says, I'm going back. What happens when Jesus goes back? The Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up. And if you, if you will, if, you, if you're a skeptic or not sure about this whole thing, if you will, read the book of Acts. It's right after John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Tell the story of Jesus' life. Tell the story of his death. Tell the story of his uh, resurrection. Matthew and Luke tell the lineage of Jesus' birth. they a little more detailed in that way. Uh, they both, they, All four of them have, a, a, again, a different feel to them. I'd encourage you to read the Gospel of John read the gospel of john once you turn that page you're going to get right into acts start reading the book of acts and again it talks about many convincing proofs ask yourself if jesus really did give many convincing proofs to his disciples and his followers over a period of 40 days what does that mean for you what does that mean for you if he is alive because i'm gonna tell you right now i'm gonna cut to the chase if he's if he's dead if he's still in the ground If his bones are decaying somewhere and his whole thing was just some kind of like fantastic voyage, this story that's just way out, man, we're wasting our time here. Wasting our time. But if it's true, that changes everything. That changes everything. Many convincing proofs. So what happens after the many convincing proofs what you have is men and women who begin to assemble together in these these gatherings we call this like the church the church being the church did they meet at a certain address on sundays and hand out bulletins and have potluck dinners no not like that but it was the church being the church every single day did we have time for it? Yeah, if you love Jesus, you made time for it because it was your life. It wasn't something you did on the weekend. It was your life. These were your brothers and sisters in Christ and you sold your possessions. Some people did that. They sold their possessions to make sure that those in need had what was needed. They made sure that uh, the guys that needed to focus on, on teaching the word and prayer were able to do that and, and we're gonna wait on tables and do that and we're gonna have prayer over here and gonna do that and everybody did their, their giftedness and everybody was like all in this together and not one of those individuals, whenever pressured or or potentially being killed, and some of them were killed, many of them killed for their faith, not one of them ever backed away from the story. How far would you go for a lie? Could you convince 10 people to give up their life for a lie? Heck, I can't convince 10 people to give up their life for something true sometimes. I I don't know how you get 10 people to give up their life, their belongings, everything they are for a lie. They gave everything up. And I'm not talking about 10 people. I'm talking about millions of people for the last 2,000 years have given up their life, who have surrendered to Jesus? Now listen, I know that's hard to understand for some of us because we have bought into a version of Christianity that requires very little of us and look around and see how well that is working out for us. It's required very little and we exert even less. How's that going for you? It ain't. It is not going for you. The resurrection should change everything Every day, not just on a, you know, I know we're not supposed to call it Easter, but not just on an Easter weekend, and not just on a, you know the Good Friday, or not. No, every single day of our life, it should change everything. And listen, I'll tell you right now, I am guilty of it at times, not changing everything in my life. I am guilty at times living a life that the, the the resurrection of Jesus, the the conversion process I went through, the surrendering my life to hit to His life. I am guilty of it at times that it's required very little of me, and I am going to have to stand before Him and give an account for my life. So I need to get it right. So after I hit stop on this record or turn the power off or whatever I do, I gotta think about that. Every day. Every day. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. Now listen, if you're not a believer, I'm not talking about a literal crucifixion on a cross. I'm talking about the fact I said I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that we all have sin. And we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, sin's not a word you hear a whole lot, is it? You know why? We don't like talking about sin. We call it other words. Crime, we call it, you know, brokenness, we call it, you know, all these different things. We don't want to call it sin. Why? Because if we call it sin, that means we've done something wrong and we need to repent of it. When I sin, I need to repent. I need to ask for that forgiveness. God, forgive me. I have I've sinned against you. Jared, have you sinned against God today? Yep. Yep. Did you repent? Yes. Absolutely. I try to do it as soon as possible. Why? Because it's wrong. I need forgiveness for that. So, but, but Jared, I thought you were a Christian. You're not, you don't sin. You guys aren't. No, we we sin. I'm not better than you. I'm redeemed. I'm just supposed to live a different life. I know non-believers like to throw at believers how they're supposed to live. I'm not playing by your rule book because you're not playing by it either. I'm playing by the Bible. I'm rolling with the Bible. So the Bible tells me all have sinned and they all fall short of the glory of God. That includes you. That includes me. We've all sinned. What happens because of my sin? Well, Romans chapter five, verse eight says the wages of sin is death. You get death. Listen, we're all going to die. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. I just believe they're in a better place. Great. Were they in Christ? No. So where did you get your plan? I want your loved one to be in a better place too. There is no better place you could possibly be than with Jesus. So what's your plan? How did you get there? Are you basing it on on your feelings? Are you basing it because... They were your relative. Are you basing it just because that's what you want? That's a hard target to hit. That's a tough target to hit, but Jesus made it pretty clear. It's it's Jesus and that's it. Jesus and it. Romans chapter 6, 4, it says, Therefore, if we are buried with Christ, we are raised to walk in a new life. So you see... Men and women go into the waters of baptism. They're they're buried. They go under the water, and it looks like they're buried, and they're raised to walk in a new life. What are they doing? They're surrendering their will to Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. We say, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Son of the living God. I do. Do you accept him as your Lord and Savior? I do. You're buried. We go through that whole deal, right? They're saying, you know what, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I'm not just trying to get fire insurance to stay out of the bad place. I want him to be the Lord of my life because he wants more and better for my life than I want. That is not some kind of name it and claim it garbage. You're going to go through some stuff. It's going to be a challenge. Read Paul's letters. He writes them from prison. Read Revelation. John is kicked off to an island of Patmos because they're sick of him. These, these men and women gave their life for the gospel. They were killed. They were killed. Hebrews talks about how they were tortured, sawed in two. It wasn't that they just became rich and popular. All these friends, they went through a lot of stuff. Why? Because the gospel is worth it. But listen, let me tell you this. The gospel is not that complicated. We use words and some methodologies that make it way harder than it needs to be. Get them to Jesus. Get them to surrender to Jesus. Help them understand their sins. They need forgiveness of their sins. And then walk in a new life. What does that look like? Help other people get to Jesus. Acts talks about they were unschooled, common guys. Common guys. They didn't have 14 degrees on their wall. They said, we could tell they've been with Jesus. That's what I want. Where'd you go to school at? Doesn't matter. Can you tell I've been with Jesus? No, then I got a problem. Romans 8, 11. If the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if that same spirit lives inside of you, he too will give Life to your mortal bodies. Here's the deal. We're all going to die. It's going to happen. We're all going to die. But that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if he lives inside of you, how do I get the spirit? Surrender to Jesus. Bury with Christ. He pours out his spirit upon us. We get the Holy Spirit. We live in that. We walk by the spirit. Spirit convicts us. The spirit stretches us. The spirit changes us. The spirit sanctifies us. We become more like Jesus and less like ourselves every day you meet someone and say boy that guy he's a christian he calls himself a christian he's quite a hypocrite you know what that's you're a bad scale you're a bad measuring stick for what is or is not a hypocrite because you are too you don't know what he used to be you don't know what he used to be i know you i know especially non believers they all know they all know without a shadow of a doubt what someone should be doing what but let me tell you right now you don't know i'm not a good measure of of someone's faithfulness, I I can be a fruit inspector. I can say, man, there ain't a lot of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self control in that individual's life. I'm wondering if they be if they've got connected to Jesus. But to say, you know, you know, to be the hypocrite police, I don't know if that's right. And I'll be honest with you, we are hypocrites sometimes. We don't try to be, we don't try to be, but I'm going to go on a limb and say you probably are too. We're just trying to get it right, man. We're just trying to get it right. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, don't wait. Don't wait. I love this. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not, wanting, uh, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God wants everyone to come to repentance. He loves you, man. He loves you. If you read the Gospels, he tore his son to shreds, on your behalf, so I didn't ask him to do that. No, he ne- he knew what you needed before you ever knew what you needed, before your feet ever hit the ground. God knew what you needed. He's gone before you to make to make a way. He's gone before you to give you life and have it more abundantly. And when you're in Christ, then you begin to see your life through the lens of a biblical worldview, which means I keep one eye on the present and I keep one eye on eternity. So why is it so important I keep one eye on eternity? Well, Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, behold, I am coming soon. When is Jesus coming? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you this. We're closer right now than we were when I started this podcast. He's coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He is the righteous judge. And when I stand before him, based on my skills, talents, and abilities, and what I've accomplished on this earth, I have nothing. So the best thing I can do is stand before him with empty hands and say, I have absolutely nothing that I can offer you except myself. And he says, that's enough. Oh wait 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 wait! I got this, I got this podcast, and it's I don't want it. Yeah, I got I got this blog I've been writing, but no, I don't want it. I got tribe, I got these guys. I don't need it. He doesn't need anything. He just wants you. But you understand, Jared? I've been divorced, and man, I stunk as a parent. He knows. He already knows. I've been fired from my fourth job. I'm addicted to pornography. You know, I'm, I'm I'm an alcoholic. My wife's fixing on leaving me. My kids don't respect. He knows. He knows all those things. He just wants you. And we stand before him with absolutely nothing in our hands that we could possibly offer him, and say, "I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need forgiveness. Man, I need Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you need to move on that." The Bible's pretty clear that God was going to send someone to save his people. And what did we do? Put him on a cross, stuffed him in a tomb, went to check on the tomb. The thing's empty. Three days later, he went back into heaven. The Bible tells us he's going to return again someday. And we need to be ready for that. You see, the thing I find fascinating is there's so much in scripture you can prove with history you know, like the, the ossuary that, that, uh, Caiaphas, the, the, um, the high priest that was, I think it's John chapter 11. Um, they, they found that several years ago, about 30 years ago, they found his family and all that, you you find these bones of people and you know, the history and the stories of how the disciples died and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, all these things, people that did live and the, the census, Jesus, his name being on a census and you can find all this stuff. And, um, You know, in John chapter 9, he heals the man that's blind. Well, that story follows Jesus the rest of his time on earth. Uh, In in, in John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Well, in John chapter 12, the religious people are trying to get rid of Lazarus too. Because, man, if that dude's alive, we got a big problem on our hands. And so let's get rid of Jesus while we're at it. And all these stories follow Jesus. And all these stories become factual. you got to remember that when when they were writing the Bible and they gave the copy to Theophilus or to whoever they gave it to, they would have known some of these people and they could have went down the road and said, let me talk to you. Did this happen? Some of these people would have known some of these people or someone that knew those people. And so if you're handing out these stories that have been validated for about 2,000 years and you've been on this planet for about 35 and you want to arrogantly say... I just I read a thing once that that says that maybe that's not true, or I just think that that seems a little, or I just feel like, or I, it, you can't refute the gospel on your intellect, because when you try to do that and, and try to outsmart the gospel, this thing that's a, you know two thousand plus years old, plus all the time before that said this this guy this Messiah was going to come. You can only refute it with a hardened heart and a root of bitterness and a desire to not have any restraint on your life. I want to live how I want to live, and God, you're not gonna tell me what to do. That's what kids in that's what kids in daycare do. I don't want no one to tell me what to do. But to to live that way and to approach God that way is to misunderstand who he is. And it's the gravest mistake you can make. I want to encourage you: read the Gospel of John, if you will, and then continue to read Acts, and then get around someone that you know believes in Jesus, and start asking them some questions. Start finding out for yourself. Don't don't take the words of a professor just because you got to pass his class. That oh, well, he said it, so therefore that's what it is. Or and, and listen, there there are some there are some churches, there are some things that have some strange teachings of the Bible I, I get it I get it so get out of that spiritual high chair and get into the booth where the food is better and start reading this book for yourself and start doing your own study your own research and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your heart because when this happens when this happens time and time again the only result is surrender life to Jesus Christ that's it the greatest decision you could ever make so I want to encourage you move on that don't wait any longer Men, thank you for listening and watching this podcast. I appreciate it. Again, go to thepursuitofmanliness.com and get more information. But beyond all that, get in the word. Just get in the word. Help other people get in the word. And then get yourself connected to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Amen. Guys, I appreciate y'all. I'll talk to you in a little bit.